And hello there, everybody. We're live. We are. Welcome to Tuesday. At? 2.12. At 2.13. So for those of you who are on Facebook and you have been uh, frivolously refreshing your feed, we All three of you, we appreciate it. We appreciate your uh, commitment to being here on time, even though we are not committed to that same (laughs) standard. Um, Man, it's almost fall. Like, it is fall, but it's not technically because fall equinox hasn't hit, right? You explain that? Dude, you're the doctor. Uh, I don't don't, study weather, man. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we're a couple of weeks away from fall officially kicking off, but it feels like we're in fall season. Do you like fall? I love fall. Is it your favorite season out of the four? Um, Probably at least equal with the ones um what's your like what's your other equal well spring when it starts getting especially in ohio when it's sunshine and some heat comes back when you're coming out of the you know, when you're coming out of uh hibernation yeah um summertime because it's it's there are you, blue skies in, in ohio not, you're not allowed to have three favorite seasons <laughs> well i think i think in ohio hours. i have three favorite seasons i have one <laughs> least favorite that would be winter but no uh i went to i lived in north carolina growing up and so i love the fall especially when i was at school college Appalachian State up on the Blue Ridge Parkway when the leaves change and I could go hiking and backpacking and yeah, and just yeah. take off after class and other people get bumper to bumper in traffic, you know, on the weekends. I could go during the weekdays. That was pretty awesome. I heard, I saw something online that said there's four seasons in Ohio, almost winter, winter, still winter, and construction. Have you seen that? <laughs> Is that the summer one? Construction. That's Liberty Township, I'm pretty sure. Yes, for sure. So... Uh, while you are on here, um, if you're on Facebook with us, obviously, A, thank you so much for being here. Do us a quick favor and click that share button, help get the word out. But if you're on watching with us, why don't you jump into the comments and tell us your favorite thing about fall, your favorite uh, activity or favorite whatever, favorite part of fall. So I would have to say, Pastor Scott, as I turn this volume down a little bit, that mine is I love Saturdays in fall. Like there's a different feeling to a Saturday when there's football on all day. And you don't have to mow. Oh, I still got to mow. I don't mow as often as my neighbor, as I think he mows as a ratio of three to one of me. Well, that's your age. That's okay. (laughs) But nonetheless, um, yeah, no, I love love when there's football on in the fall. So my – I don't know if my wife shares that same sentiment, but – I would probably guess maybe not quite to the level you do. Three to one, maybe. <laughs> Three to one. <laughs> like your neighbor. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite thing in the I, fall? I like the change of colors. Uh, I like that it's warm enough to enjoy the weather. Yep. But the change of uh, just the feel, the Christmas in the air. Yeah. Um, the leaves changing. When I lived in Texas and Florida, as much as I like the warm areas and climates, there, there are no falls. The, the tree leaves that I had in my yard fell in fe- February, March. So, and they're not, they don't change colors. They just fall off the live oaks. So, uh, to see the colors again, um, moving more north from Florida, Texas was kind of exciting. Yeah, that's cool. And then comes the winter, and then you want to move back. (laughs) Well, um, if you were here on Sunday, you know that we uh, did just a real quick one off message on uh, simply titled Desperate. And the need for us to acknowledge our absolute desperate need for God and I think in a a little bit of a sense of the term it was a a bit of a message against self-sufficiency so um, self-sufficiency is 
not only something that runs rampant in our culture, but it's it's a big threat to us spiritually. So can you, Pastor Scott, unpack a little bit about why that is the case? Like why is self-sufficiency, if it's such such a celebrated thing in culture, why it's so dangerous to us spiritually? Well, I, th- I think the biggest, you know, what strikes the most uh, is it when I'm self-sufficient, I, I avoid having to trust God. So, you know, we, we use this passage all the time about leaning on our own understanding. It's just another way that, that I, I make sense of my world. I make sense of not only diagnosing the struggles I have, but also coming up with the cure or solution for what's going on. Hmm. And so, uh, and you so know, if we were self-sufficient, you'd say that cure is something that we've come up with on our own. We've come up, yeah, it's, it's, it's self-initiated. We're, we are in, independent of God and so uh, and dependent on ourselves. And so you look from the very beginning when Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree of the garden of knowledge of good and evil, right, in, in the garden. Yeah. Um, or they would die when, when they first understood that they were naked and ashamed. They clothed themselves. And then for fear of God, they hid behind the tree. So they're, they're trying to cover themselves. They're trying to do something to change what's going on the way they feel. So they're interpreting it independently of God's, and, and they're looking for their own solutions there. And I just think that's, that's our natural bit is to turn away from God and trust in ourselves. Um, why is that so dangerous? It's dangerous because ultimately uh, God created us for a relationship with himself to depend on him. And, and, you know, in Scripture, we think about, well, the big things. I, I depend on God for this and this. this. Everything that has been created has been created by God. So, so there's creator and creation, and there's distinction there. So all creation ultimately is dependent and sustained by the creator, right? And so in God, the Bible says we move and breathe and have our beings. We, we can't even breathe without God's grace and help. And so I don't think we're always aware of that. Like, you know, I'm aware sometimes that my heart is beating. Yeah. But when I'm sleeping at night, I can't control that volunt- you know, that, that involuntary action that, that God is controlling that during the night there. And so yeah, yeah. If, we, if we sat down and thought about how much everything depends on God, I, th- I think it makes us a little uncomfortable. Because hmm. it makes us feel vulnerable and and, uh, and and small and and we are yeah compared to a sovereign you know king over who's over everything yeah so so <clears throat> he's in control we're not yep um, but you know obviously the danger is if we try to take that back or if we try to um, maintain control or or I don't know manipulate our lives that's not really our our spot but so. I've always, this was a question I asked in like fourth grade and no Sunday school teacher could answer it. Uh Uh-oh. What's the, (laughs) what's the relationship between God's sovereignty and our responsibility? Like God's in control. So does that mean I just like, I trust him? Yeah. I never get up for work. Like I'm just going to trust that he's going to provide. Like obviously there's, there's a lack of wisdom there. So how do we, not what is the line? How do we find it? Well, I I think when you say God is sovereign. That means he's over everything, right? Yep. So is my knowledge supposed to be independent or dependent on God? Uh, I don't know. I, I would say, according to Scripture, <laughs> that if, if, if God is the giver of all things, including, and, and we know God is the source of wisdom, yeah. um, then I'm supposed to turn to him for, for answers in the way I navigate this world there. So when I get oriented in life and try so to figure out... is it dependent on him? What's that? It, knowledge is dependent. Yeah, knowledge is dependent on God because it, it, Colossians two three says in Jesus is the fullness of knowledge and wisdom. So think about this: everything in this world that I am thinking is somehow a reconstruction, if it's true, 
of what God already knows to be true. Okay. So in my in this world there, I'm trying to reconstruct this world according and think His thoughts after Him. Yeah. And so to to some degree, um, that's the point. I'm supposed to learn to interpret my world, dependent on what God has said is is true, and and the way I evaluate things there. And so, um, I, God says in in His Word, there are certain things that are positive things He wants us to pursue. This is the way that... Uh, uh, like work. Well, yeah. For, for example, if we want to define what a human is, what does a human do? The only normal human function being that we have in Scripture after Adam is, is Jesus. Right. And so Jesus becomes our model. So not only what did Jesus think, what did Jesus desire, what was his emotional life was like, uh, you know, how did he use his time, what did he not do? I mean, we, we can understand normal human functioning um, and, and what... What we should be striving for, and Jesus gives that example. Scripture paints it; Jesus lives it. So, Jesus was homeless and had no place to lay his head. So, if that's our model, does that mean that's what we should be doing? Well, it's, he, he might not owned a home, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we don't know. I mean, other than time, maybe a few times, or that he actually was out in the wilderness the whole time, right? So, I think I think I, maybe we could read into that. <laughs> So, so there are normative principles, things that we have to do exactly. You know, Jesus also died on the cross. Right. So, so we're supposed to go. You know, we can play that out forever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, Scripture tells us the man who works is the man who eats. And so there are human responsibilities. Uh, that It's better to give than just receive. And so, you know, in a family, if a family of four, everybody doesn't have, necessarily have equal parts or roles, but everybody's got a part to play. Yeah. And so if one person doesn't do their role then somebody else has to pick up that slack. And so the person that's not doing their part is not functioning in love, and the person that's having to pick up extra is, you know, to continue to do that is is basically uh, allowing a person to neglect their responsibility. So Scripture makes it clear we're responsible for living a certain way, right? So how do we how do we find that line? We look to Jesus and we look to Scripture as our answer, as our guide. And, and to wise people that, that seem to demonstrate, you know, Scripture says walk with wise, right? Yep. In your light I see light, and then walk with other people who seem to, you know, follow a pattern of wisdom. Yep. So if so, back to Sunday, the sermon was on desperation and moving from self-sufficiency slash independence to that spot of desperation. That um, That's vulnerable. We don't like that. Uh, we like our our 401ks and our you know our ability to to lean on ourselves and so um why do you think it is that god often puts us in desperate situations um why is it there in those moments that we tend to grow the most or we tend to draw close closest to him well i mean there are lots of kind of angles i'll come at it from one just using you know Israel's history. God said, "I, I let you go out to the wilderness, and, and and I let you go hungry, so I could expose what was in your heart, so that you would realize that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." See that 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 statement there. If if we believe that's fundamentally true, that is more than I need food, more than I need anything else in this world, I am dependent on God's word. Okay, so Jesus quoted the same thing: "Man does not live by bread alone." He does live, his his physical body needs bread to sustain it, right? He needs food. Um, yeah, yeah. But the fact that Jesus elevated the Word of God above even food in this situation where he allowed himself to be hungry for 40 days and did not eat, he, he put greater priority on his soul being nurtured and, 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 and cared for by the Word of God and directed by the Word of God more than he did food. 
And so I don't think we, we think about that that way. So, so God exposes how really dependent we are on himself, and ultimately it's, it's to expose our pride and, and our independence and our, our self-sufficiency. Yeah. Um, and to realize we're vulnerable. Like you said, we are vulnerable. We need him. He created, a, he created us to be dependent on him. That's, that's what normal human functioning is. And so when we get in those situations, the heart that God is moving is a heart that cries out to him for help. And we see that over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Yeah. Where difficulty comes, people cry out to God, God intervenes and, and steps into that situation to change them. Yeah. So what are some... What do you think are some... Well, actually, hold on. If you're on Facebook Live, thanks for being here. Go ahead and share this again. Just want just to keep getting that word out. But... Um, what are some, not trying to pick on anyone or anything, what are some common examples that you as a pastor, as a counselor, see as ways that we try to be uh, self-sufficient, independent of God? Well, I'll, I'll take a real straight, direct shot from where we were on Sunday in James 4. Um, James 4, it, we Pastor Chris used that passage to kind of peel back some fundamental struggles that we all have. That definitely, you know, exposed self-sufficiency. One of them is, is, is the lack of prayer, prayer, okay, mm-hmm. prayerlessness, he said. Now, that passage is in the context of, of, of fighting and quarreling in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so when I am fighting and quarreling, that, that doesn't mean conflict is sinful necessarily, but how I am actually um, working through that conflict could be sinful. Mm-hmm. And so fighting and quarreling is, is, is a self-sufficient, way to try to obtain what I want yeah. or try to avoid what I don't want. Yeah. And so my neighbor is somehow stands in the way for my kingdom, my will, and I stand in their way, and I'll go to war. Essentially, James says that the members of my body wage war because of the desires in my heart. Hmm. And so my heart actually is the control center, works itself out through my body parts there, so I'll slam a door. Okay, so my heart is telling my hand to slam the door. I'll use my tongue in a way that tears down instead of builds up. I'll I'll, I'll take my body parts and allow them to be controlled to win that fight, to do something that God says is undesirable in His eyes and unpleasing or displeasing to Him in order to win that. So so I I think to me one of the clearest examples is. I, w- I want my child to respect me. I may raise my voice and be quick to anger in order to get my child to obey me. Or I want my wife to respect me. And so I'll take unbiblical means that God says are biblically prohibited to accomplish something that God says is good. So so often, something that I want that is good, I'll use sinful means to get it or sinful means if I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is one that I see all the time in my own life and the lives of others. I will use unbiblical ways and means and methods, sin, yeah. to, to get what I want. Hmm. And, and that shows up in relationships all the time. Yeah. I'm impatient. The Bible says be patient with all. Okay? Yeah. Anytime I'm impatient with somebody, I'm, I'm disobeying Scripture. Hmm. So think about that. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not admonishment in these other parts there. But being patient means that if I'm impatient with people, what does that mean? Somehow... I'm self-sufficient. Yeah. Trying to accomplish. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That and that's super low-hanging. I think like we think of self-sufficiency, maybe run to to jobs, bank accounts, and those types of things. But that, like, that's one that no matter what age you're at, no matter where you're at, life stage-wise, yep. career-wise, whatever the case may be, like every single one of us, 
has to deal with the day-to-day, day-in, day-out pitfalls of sin and self-sufficiency. And and nothing like community exposes the fact that my heart wants what it wants. I want to be in control. I I want the world to serve me. I want people around me to serve me. I'd rather receive than give. And so relationships exposes my self-sufficient and self-interested heart. Yeah. And so um, that's, that's why I know I'm desperate. Because mm-hmm. anytime I take or respond sinfully with my, my, my thoughts, my words, roll my eyes. Okay, you want to talk self When I roll my eyes, I'm expressing disgust or dissatisfaction or displeasure with somebody. Yeah. And so that's a self-sufficient way to, to, to make a point without even saying anything. Right? Yeah. But I don't even realize that. Sometimes it's, it's just I'm so habitually doing this, it becomes the way I function, my, my modus you know, operandi. And we all have those ways of doing that. And it, it shows we're self-sufficient. We're trying to change our environment, our relationships, by very, very uh, deceitful, self-sufficient means. Wow, that's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> anything else that stuck out to you that you want to point out from James 4 or just from the idea of the sermon desperate? Well, you know what I like that Pastor Pastor Chris said. Look, as a church, we were desperate financially. Yeah, um, we still are trying to trying to stay <laughs> and remain desperate. Right? James four is one of the best passages showing us that in our world, if we have a biblical, if we don't lean on our own understanding, right? If we allow Scripture and God's word, as Jesus said, "Man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds." If we allow every word that is proceeded out of the mouth of God to to shape our world, then we understand there are three influences always going on in our lives. Our heart wants what it wants, so we have those passions and desires, even for good things, that we will sin to get or sin if we don't get. Okay. Or they'll control us, and our life revolves around it so much that's an idol. Okay? So so my own heart. Okay. Two, the world is constantly pulling us okay. in that direction, and Chris said that. He said, uh, anybody that's a friend of the world, anytime I'm, I'm using unbiblical means in my relationships to get what I want in conflict, quarreling, fighting is one way, using my words. James talks about murdering. Yeah. Okay, Matthew talked about anytime you speak against your neighbor, call your brother a fool, you're murdering him. Yeah. Okay, that's murder in the heart there. So, so in essence, anytime I use my tongue to tear somebody down or to say something that's that's that slander them, uh, gossip about them, one of the many sins of the tongue or mouth, um, then I'm being pulled not only by my heart but by the world as well. And, and then finally. The devil. The Bible talks about resist the devil. Whenever I'm in conflict in relationships and I'm quarreling and fighting and going about it in sinful means and methods, yeah. my heart is, is controlling me, my sinful heart still, that's been made new, but that remnant's there. The remaining sin is still part of it. The world is pulling me. The system of the world, it says, do things your way. The devil, who's over the sons of disobedience, is still involved. And so those three things in themselves, as I live on earth until I'm perfected and glorified, as we talked about last time. They're always at play. They're always at play. I am desperate. Whether I realize it or not, I am always desperate for God's grace, for any change possible. So if someone's out there and they're like, I don't feel desperate. I don't, like, life is great. Everything's going, like... What would be your advice to them? Carry around a tape recorder or a digital recorder of all your words during the day. <laughs> Carry around some something or, or take um, some way, whether it's just slowing down and thinking. Reflect on the words that came out of your mouth, the thoughts that were in your heart, the expectations, the emotions, all that, and you'll realize that there's more... That still needs to be done. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. 
I say the 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 more we live with other people, the more exposed to what's going on in our heart, more exposed to the world is luring us as our heart runs into the world and the and the world is pulling us that way. So so we kind of meet in the middle there and Satan's behind cheering us on. Just keep mm-hmm. running. So so I would say, look, all you gotta do is is really record your words, record your actions for a week or so, and really see and line them up with this and realize that you're still in desperate need of a lot of work of grace. So this seems really like dire and hopeless and we all, we're all terrible people. Like, why is that not the case? Why is there still hope in this message? Because God says there's no condemnation. It's, our sin is not to make us feel lowly and, and like worms. Okay, Scripture can do that. Because if, if we see that, the solution for that is running back to God again. Hmm. And God has poured out His grace on us through His Spirit. He's actually placed His Spirit in us. And, his, and, and Romans 5 says that God has poured out His love into our hearts through His Holy Spirit. And so those difficult things, as I shared a few weeks ago in the message when, when I was teaching, is those difficult things became the, 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 the place that Paul was convinced that nothing in this world could separate him from the love of God. Yeah. So the fact that, that when we see how desperate we are, the only solution for your desperation is run to God, right? Mm-hmm. So the greatest place to be, as the psalmist said, is the nearness of God is my good. When I'm desperate, then the only place I have to turn is God, and then I have fullness of joy mm. and hope and peace, Yeah. right? Yeah. And that's good. That's the best news that we can... That's, like, it's not on us. We don't, have us. To, we don't have to do it, you know, even if we feel like we should or want to. So that's, that is good news. Well, hey, uh, we're coming up on our time, so we are uh, excited about things going on here. I feel like all summer long and the last several months, we've been pushing, pushing, pushing life groups, and they've, they've, it's finally here. The launch has happened, um, and we had a big uptick in, in attendance, people like taking a step out of anonymity into being known, yep. which is great. Yep. As the pastor of groups, that's got to feel good. It does. We just, we've got to make sure people keep moving in that direction. We get them connected. Okay. Don't so, give up. So, yeah, speak to that. Don't give up. For if, if you haven't, if you want to be connected to a group and you're not, go to lhc.life, right? Yep. And there's a spot on there with life groups. You, you can fill out a form, an uh, electronic form. They're very short, very brief. Say, I want to be involved, okay? Uh, if you've already filled out one of those, we are working. Hopefully, you've received some communication from us. If you haven't for some reason, we're human. We're, we're, we're you know... Especially me. I'm <laughs> a robot. I'm, he's yeah, he's right. So, so if you haven't heard from us, make sure you get in touch with us. We will be in touch with you. We are working, ta- contacting life group leaders, figuring out where there's room. Um, you know, some some of the ends that we have on, on in, in our life group uh, uh, kind of ministry here, they're, they're full. So they turn the light off. They don't they don't have any space here. So so we're trying to find what ends have room for for people to come in and be a part of. So okay. And listen, like, this isn't going away. So if you want to go to a church that doesn't try and push you into life groups, it's not here. Like, as we've unpacked passage after passage and sermon after sermon, you and I, for the last however many Tuesdays, almost every week we land on or we touch or, or brush through the idea of group involvement. So it's not going away. It's an essential part to my, your, and your uh, spiritual growth. Yes. So uh, don't give up on it. Don't don't let the deadline have just passed you. Like, oh, missed it. I'll get around next time. Like, there's still a chance. Jump in. It's never too late. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say that they don't want me. That's not the truth. Okay. Yeah. We do want you. Uh, 
just keep persevering as we persevere to figure out a place for you. Yep. Okay, we'll start new groups. We have to. Yep. And we might have to. We might have. We will have to. We will have to. <laughs> so, anyway, it's been a great time. If you're still on Facebook Live, thank you for being with us. Continue to drop your favorite fall things in the comments there. And we will talk to you next Tuesday at 2. Vote for Pedro.